influenced uh, by this band uh, every week. Just to jump in and, and worship, and uh, I appreciate you guys a lot because um, uh, I could go home right now. <laughs> no, wait, wait, don't get any ideas. <laughs> uh, it's interesting the way that happened because Jeremy mentioned that Shelby doesn't know that song it as well. Interesting, interesting, isn't it? You realize that that, you know, we've been talking about that 33% that we market the church to. The 66% out there don't know any of those songs. Wouldn't matter if we were singing the the old songs out of the hymnal or the new songs. They they wouldn't know the songs, remember? Um, See, I find it real interesting. If we get on the mission and begin to live sent, we will begin to worry less about our preferences in here about worship. You know, um, a few weeks ago, I, get, I let folks kind of, you know, make the anonymous response to how you were serving. Well, you know, there were a number of folks who wanted to suggest ways we do, ought to do things around here anonymously. And I'm just letting you know, I threw those in the trash. <laughs> I do. I don't read them. The minute I get, begin to read that, I go, oh, there's no name in there. Oh, I want you to hear me out here. Seriously. We don't do what we do on Sunday morning to address your preferences. We're not trying to be ugly about that. But the reality is, you know, uh, we're going to do a blend of different styles of music and, and, and all that sort of thing. But I'm just telling you, I, you know, about 20 years ago, the guy that I worked for, my boss, Jack Griever, left the safety and confines of, of his downtown church and went with a group of young upstarts, pretty youthy bunch, young couples to plant a church. And Jack was about 60, 61 years old at the time. And things started happening. But it was a church with a mission. And as they began to reach people for Christ, Jack said to me one day, we were having lunch. He goes, he goes, let me just tell you, I don't like the music, but man, we're just reaching people for Jesus. Because he was on the mission. Are you you're getting where I'm coming from? I'm not trying to scold you guys. I'm just saying, quit worrying about your preferences around here and get on the mission. You know, let's live sent. Let's see what God can do and realize that God's going to reach some people like Shelby, you know, and I, I hate to point you out, girl, but, but reach some people like Shelby who came to Christ through this church, you know, less than a year ago, and she doesn't know the old hymns. I'm okay with that. All right, let's check the mail, all right? Uh, Oh, man, I know how we do this. No, I'm not interested in refinancing my house or remodeling. Uh, Man, what's that one about? Oh, financial seminars. You know, oh, well, here's a, I don't know, catalog you know, it's interesting, they, you know, my mother's been dead 13 years, and I still get junk mail for her, you know? Oh, electronic store, uh, uh, you know. No, I don't need another credit card. Oh, man, card from my sister. I mean, you realize what this means? 
Maybe it was my birthday. <laughs> the reality is, folks, most of what we get in the mail today is junk. But whenever we get one hand-addressed from someone we know, we stop on that one, don't we? That's what living sin is about. Letting God make us a personal letter into someone's life. Now, I'm going to, let's be honest. From time to time, you're going to be sent as a personal letter, hand-addressed somewhere. And because of someone, the depths of someone's hurt or, or pain or or experiences in the past, or they're turned off to religion. You know, they may even take that personal note and trash it. Been there? It's okay. Just let God hand address another one and send another one. Just keep going. Just keep living sin. And eventually, eventually they might open that letter. They might actually begin to look at your life. Now, let me just ask you, anybody here know what the official slogan of the U.S. Postal Service is? Do anybody know? But I just hollered out. No, no, as a trick. Do what? Okay, okay. That was a trick question. <laughs> the U.S. Postal Service has no official slogan. It, it doesn't. Kind of based on where they are right now, they could probably get one. <laughs> but they, they don't have an, uh, an, uh, they have an unofficial slogan. Here it is. Neither rain nor snow nor heat nor gloom of night stays these courageous carriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. That's the unofficial slogan. It was unofficially attached to the Postal Service in the late 1800s when it was engraved in granite on the entrance of the New York City General Post Office in downtown New York. But the saying, you see, goes back much further. The original saying is credited to a historian, a Greek historian named Herodotus from 500 B.C., 500 years before Christ. He was referring to the Persian mounted postal carriers that he observed during the war between the Greeks and the Persians. And, it, it, and he is quoted as uttering, neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these courageous couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. The mail must go through. This saying, you see, has been around for an awful long time. See, letter carriers have been a committed bunch for centuries. I hope that can be said about us as living letters, as those who are sent, that neither rain nor snow nor heat nor gloom of night would keep us from our appointments, from our connection. All right. I wanted to, in summary, just take a look at our acrostic 
And I want to kind of give you some practical thoughts and practical guidelines before I talk about trusting the last letter in the acrostic. Living sent, live sent, S-E-N-T. Let's put the, uh, let's put the, uh, uh, the slide up for that, would you? All right, here we go. I'm leaping over some stuff. That's all right. Serving, engaging, nurturing, and trusting. Um, my challenge for every one of us is that we would each day of 2012 at least one act of kindness or service to a person or persons that you know. Intentional, thoughtful, available, that you begin your day every day with this idea, I will today find a way to serve someone, to do a thoughtful, kind act, to find a way to affirm them, to be of an assist to them in some way in my neighborhood, in my workplace, in my school, kids down here on front, um, in my family, I will every day an intentional act of service. Engaging, engaging weekly, Coffee or conversation with someone I've yet to really know. It might be it might be inviting someone to lunch after a service here on Sunday. You know, just a few weeks ago, um, a, a friend of mine showed up out here at you know at at Willow Bend and hadn't been here in a long time and was looking for me. And I was in the study Sunday morning, and and Kevin and Denise who were out on the door out there, greeted him and warmly and, and chatted with him. And they invited him, not even knowing him, they invited him to lunch with them on Sunday. Now, he didn't go, but what happened? You see what I'm talking about? They were living sent. They were willing to engage in getting to know someone that they don't know. Now, you know, our, our life group, you know, we made the commitment that we're going to begin to go to lunch together one Sunday every month and invite someone to go with us that we don't know. Just invite new people. That's what I call engagement. There's just practical ways. And, and you, you've got people that you work with at your office that you don't know. You don't know their journey. You don't know their story. You don't know if they know Jesus or not. And you just say, hey, let's have a cup of coffee sometime. Let's meet in the break room. Or, hey, why don't we grab lunch? And you just begin to just ask them questions. Let them tell their story. Tell me about you. Tell me about your journey of life. Tell me what's important to you. You know, before you do any talking, do a lot of listening. But it's just engaging a commitment every week with intentionality. And you might begin by just beginning to get some of those folks that are on your regular traffic pattern and on your radar. Get them on your radar screen and begin to pray that God will open doors for conversations. Now, the N stands for nurturing. So by nurturing, I mean you participate in a small group each week with others who are also on a journey with Christ. You're going to begin to you're going to begin to grow in relationship realizing that discipleship discipleship is you know is done in relationship in relationship with the father but also in relationship with others that want to grow in Christ. And so where you you know so so where you find someone who's seeking to grow in Christ, you're going to engage in some form of small group and we've got a number of those. Life groups that meet in homes, 
classes with two new classes starting next week, man, you could right, right away could be involved in nurturing, you know, and those classes would be designed to help you to live in the world, making wise, the new classes, wise choices in the world, a class on apologetics intro so that you can, you can engage in conversation with folks out there that have questions and doubts and that will throw anything up in your face to, in objection to faith and you might actually learn how to begin to have conversation out there. So those are those are things that we offer to you to help to nurture your faith and equip you in faith. Not just so you can become more knowledgeable and intelligent, but also that you can live sent, that you can be more engaged out there in relationships in the world. So every week, involvement in relationship with others, small group. We got an early morning Tuesday Bible study with men at La you know, at, at uh, what is that place, Egg and I? That's a place to be in fellowship with guys that are studying the Word of God. I mean, they, it, you just look at the bulletin, there's tons of opportunities. Will you engage and, and then will you be involved in a nurturing kind of relationship? And then the trust, by trusting, I mean that time alone with God every single day. That for 2012, if you're going to live sent, you're going to have to live connected to Him Every day you carve out time to be in Scripture listening for His voice and praying, responding back to Him, yielding your life to Him. And, and as you finish that prayer, you say to Him, Lord, here am I. Send me, like Isaiah prayed. Send me forth. Send me out. Let me live for you. It, this, it's simple. That's, that's basically, that gives you... D- short-term, very short-term goals for living. And, and it's not designed, it, it's measurable, but it's not designed to be a, 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 a spiritual checklist in that sense so that we can pat ourselves back on the back. But it's, it's really designed to help us get ourselves off our hands a little bit, to set self aside and begin to live intentionally and purposely for Him. And, and and as we begin to serve and take that first step, we begin to sense some freedom, freedom and release from ourselves. And it's a wonderful thing. And in each additional step, we begin to have a sense of connectedness to his life uh, in us. Okay, so I want to talk about the T. I want to talk about trusting this morning. And, and if you will, um, I, I want us to go back to the text that we read last week. We don't really need to go any further than that text. It's all right here for us. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. We talked about it last week. Uh, this is that place where Jesus uh, and take, shows the disciples where to catch fish. And they, they have this incredibly huge catch of fish. And, uh, but the point of the story that we were making last week is Jesus wants us to put out into water. He's saying to us, I want you to go deeper. I want you to I want you to take the risk and put out into deeper water. Now, there's a spiritual axiom that goes with this, and, and it may sound a little counterintuitive, but you can take this one to the bank. Here it is. Here's the axiom. The depth of your life will determine the breadth of your ministry. The depth of your life and your personal walk with Christ will determine the breadth of your influence and your impact in the world. Jesus is saying to these guys, guys, I want you to go deeper. I want you to go deeper. So I want to read this one more time. 
So beginning with verse 1. So on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were already, they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, which is Peter, Simon Peter, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night. We took nothing but at your word. When he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both of the boats until they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. And he said, he was saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also... James and Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. There's three things about trusting here. Okay. And this is important. There are three ways that we have to trust. They're all happening at the same time. They're all growing and developing pretty much simultaneously in our spiritual life. But here they are. Here's the first one. I'll just give you all three at the start. We've, first of all, we've, we've got to learn to trust each other. Then we've got to learn to trust his trust in us. What he has entrusted to us. We've got to trust his trust in us. And third, we've got to fully trust the Father, the Father's care, His provision, His character, His love. We've got to, we, we've got to grow in trust for Him. Those three things. Okay. Now go back to verse 10. Todd, can you get to verse 10 on that text? Can we go backwards? Okay, there it is. Listen, and so also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who are partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on. You're going to be catching men. This is very purposeful here, folks. The Gospels point out that there is this working relationship between this group of men. James and John, John probably the younger brother, probably still even a teenager at this point is in partnership with Simon, and also Simon's brother, Andrew, as the other Gospels point out. They were in partnership. Interestingly enough, in the Greek, that's the word koinonia. It's a huge word in the early church. Fellowship, community. But it's deeper than just the idea of we get together and we sip coffee and we eat cookies they were in partnership. They, they, these were guys that, that had a working relationship with each other. Je, Jesus is calling some guys who already know how to be a team. Do you get it? That was important. Every day these guys got up at sunrise. They loaded the nets on the boat. They headed for the water because they were on a mission to catch fish. And there were no rods and reels at this time. 
That, that was invented later by, by, you know, by Bass or Pro or something. I don't know. Are you with me? In that day, fishing was not done with a pole, with a rod or a reel. It was a team effort. Now, a few years ago, Deb and I went on vacation to Destin, Florida. And, uh, and we, we uh, well, I'll say we went deep sea fishing. And I will say I had a wonderful experience. Um, they, my wife, the, the boat that we were on had uh, this nice padded boat cover kind of uh, just behind the bow. That's where she laid the entire time, you know, I mean, looking green. And, and, uh, and so, uh, so I spent my $275 on her to watch her puke over the side of the boat. Um, but interestingly enough, our fishing guide... You know, out of Destin Harbor was a kid named Justin Destin. His great, great, great grandfather founded this little fishing village there on the coast of Florida. And it became Destin. And you know what we were doing? I mean, we were out on the the deep sea fishing and we were taking turns in the big chair, you know, with the big right? I didn't catch anything. That's all right. We, but we caught a little of everything that there was to catch and a lot of amberjack and, and we came back with freezers full of fish. But when, when Dewey Destin founded the little fishing village that was Destin, Florida, they didn't fish with rods and reels. Dewey Destin and his men fished with nets until it was outlawed by the state of Florida. Know why it was outlawed? They were catching too many fish. What does that tell you about the difference between pole fishing and net fishing? We get everybody involved and everybody's holding a piece of net. Everybody's holding up their end. What do you think God could do with that? You shouldn't be satisfied, you know, whatever, with having a church staff that's good at reeling a few of them in. Folks, consent means you get involved in a team and you got to learn how to trust each other if that's going to happen. Now, in Leadership Magazine just last month, there was this wonderful chart that was done of the difference between pole fishing and net fishing, all right? So let's just look at the difference. The difference between pole fishing and net fishing. Pole fishing is a solo effort. Net fishing is a team effort. Now, duh. Well, stay with me, all right? Pole fishing is casting them a line on your own. Net fishing... Is showing them Christ in community. Pole fishing helps people hear the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Net fishing helps people see the gospel demonstrated. Pole fishing is about coming to a decision. Net fishing 
is about coming into community. Pole fishing is convincing them of the truth of Christ. It's informational. Net fishing is showing them the love of Christ and it's transformational. Pole fishing tends to view evangelism as a periodic project that we enter into from time to time. Whereas net fishing sees outreach as a necessary and ongoing way of life, a way of living. We have two babies that are going to get born this week. Tina and Curtis sitting back over here. They're going to induce on Thursday. Can't wait to be there. I know what I'm going to be doing Thursday morning. Friday morning, I know what I'm going to be doing. Are y'all Thursday too? My goodness, we're going to have two babies born. I thought y'all were Friday. I guess I'm going to be running back and forth between, you know, between Dallas and, and, and Frisco. Where y'all getting, where y'all having this baby? Medical Center of, of, of Plano. Now, I know, see, I know, um, I know, you know, Nicole's doctor, you know, because it's Daryl Grieben in our congregation. Yeah, did y'all see the story last week about this couple that was trying to drive to the hospital and the guy's driving with one hand and he's video, you know, he's got his, his camera phone and he's videoing the birth of his baby in the front seat of his car. Oh, wait, it'd be like. Does that sound fun to you? Does that sound safe to you? Does that sound conducive? See, I mean, you can do it that way because, I mean, pole evangelism works, but the way it was intended and designed was to be a team effort. There ain't nothing like the experience of having, you know, having doctors and nurses and, and even an anesthesiologist if you need a little, you know, a little prick to lessen the pain. I mean, and you got this whole team and they've got the monitors and everybody's kind of watching and, and the family's gathered out there and everybody's praying and, and this whole, and then, no, but of course, you know, I mean, that the, the focus is on mom right and uh but when that team's working together what a cool thing that is it's a team effort you know a, a few years ago i'll tell her but uh susan golden got involved in this book club and it's with all these women at her job, okay? And, uh, and so they start reading all these books. And, of course, now they're not reading the, whatever it is, the Kingsbury novels. Uh, you know, the, 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 they're reading all these. They're reading whatever the bestsellers are out there. And some of them, some of them are a little bit, a little bit, ooh, a little worldly. Well, Susan Golden invites my wife into the book club to get a little worldliness. I guess. No, not really. You know, but what it, what it did was suddenly, you know what Susan did? She just created a team. And suddenly now we've got, we got two believers in this book club, not knowing where everybody in their spiritual journey, but that gives that opportunity. If they're in discussion for them to bounce off each other and for them, for Christian values to get woven into that conversation and they're, they're lovingly supporting each other and they're not hung out. You know, that's, that's called team. 
need to do more of that. We've got to learn how to trust each other. And, and secondly, we've got to learn how to, tr- to trust his trust in us. Um, this is a biggie. Because there are some of us in this room, instead of living sent, you're going to come up with 100,000 excuses why you can't do that. Why you can't take that challenge. And they, and they will be, the, the, the enemy will offer you anything. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you're a Christ follower, it's his intent. It is clear that his intent is that his followers would live sent in the world. But you're going to have a million excuses. And some of you are going to disqualify yourself on the basis, on the basis that you're just not good enough. You know, that you've got too much junk, too much stuff going on in your life that shouldn't be there. And so what you're going to do, instead of living sent and engaging in and, and beginning to touch people's lives and serve others, you're going to spend all your time just trying to get your life cleaned up, you know, focusing on your issue and, you know, and, and just saying, but when I get it, when I get together, then I'm going to serve the Lord. I, that's why I love Celebrate Recovery. I love it. Why? Because you get folks involved in recovery and they begin to peel the layers off their issues. But at the same time, they're encouraging as you're getting through the steps to start giving back immediately. Am I right, Daryl? Why would that be the case? See, because you can spend all your time just focused on your issue and fighting your issue and fighting your temptations. But when you begin to give yourself away and you begin to invest in others and you begin to come alongside others so that you're nurturing them in their journey of faith, as difficult as that may be, then over the course of time, you begin to realize that you're thinking less and less and you're bothered less and less and tempted less and less by your issues. Why? Because you're... You're living sent. And so we can focus there. You know, it, some of us will go for safety. Because after all, the world is a scary place. It's a mess out there, isn't it? Wow. And so we'll, what we'll do is we'll just go for safety. So we'll just kind of build the wall a little bit higher. And we'll just stay involved. We'll get in our Bible studies. And we'll just, we'll just keep getting. We'll pile more and more information on top of information. Until we're just, we're brilliant. We're scholars. But there's a world, a hurting world out there, and we're not touching them. Is that okay? We're going to have to trust his trust in us. Years ago, I started out, Kyle knows this, I started out as a youth guy, okay, student guy. And I had um, some real creative guys in my youth group. And we were given uh, a Sunday service, um, and I think it was like at New Year's Day when they thought nobody would show up. But we were given this Sunday service to try to make a point. And the guys in my youth group, they wanted to talk about discipleship, so they came up with this drama on their own. I love this drama. You know, they had, uh, they had uh, uh, Greg Tankersley usually was one of the disciples, you know, and Gary Tumlin always played the part of Peter for some reason because he was a loudmouth. You know, and then and Steve Tankersley always played the part of Jesus because he had this long, wavy, kind of flowing hair and a little kind of little mustache. So he looked the most Jesus-like. Okay, so, 
So they were going to do Jesus and the disciples. And so, so, so let me set the scene. Over here, there was, a, there, was a, uh, there was two or three of the guys in sleeping bags, and they were just sawing logs, snoring. And over here, here was uh, Steve Tankersley being Jesus, acting like Jesus. And he was just kneeled down, and he was praying. And one by one, these guys start to wake up, and, 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 and they stirring around, and they start kind of nudging each other. And they notice there's an empty sleeping bag right there. You know, and, and where, where's Jesus? So the, these guys get up and they, and they spot Jesus. And so they come over here with Jesus praying. And, they, and, and, and Peter just starts in on Jesus. Say, Jesus, you, you can't keep doing this, man. You were teaching and you were healing people till like well after midnight last night over in Capernaum. I mean, you got to be exhausted. You can't be getting up before daylight coming out here and, and praying you're going to wear yourself out. I mean, you're not going to last at this pace. And Jesus kind of stands, looks at the guys and said, guys, I'm glad you brought it up. My time is coming very soon when I, I will depart. The end is close for me. I'm going to put every effort that I can into these last months, depending on the Father, but, you know, but, I, but I am going to go away and I'm going to go to there. I'm, you know, it, um, I'm not going to be... I'm not going to be with you, but I am going to turn over this ministry. I'm going to place everything that I'm doing in your hands. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm saying I, I want you to keep doing the things that we were doing. And the, the disciples just kind of begin to look at this fearful look on their face. And they go, Jesus, I, you can't go away. I mean, we can't do this without you. I mean... You're going to leave us here to carry on? I mean, Jesus, what if we fail? And, and I love Jesus' line. He just looks at the guys and said, I haven't made any other plans. That's the truth. Folks, we're going to have to trust his trust in us. And somehow he's trusted us with this thing that's called the gospel. And people's lives need to be touched by communities that care. And there's the last thing. We've got to trust fully the Father. I'm going to show you uh, this. I'm going to show you verse 4 and 5 again. Can you put that up from the text? Yeah, okay. Now, I want you to notice this is the the new King James Version, okay? But I want you to read this carefully. So he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. The King James translation was taken from a a Greek manuscript called Texas Receptus. And, and you know, in, in that manuscript, you, you, you just see what happened? Jesus says, guys, get out there and let down your nets. And Peter says, well, Lord, you know, we're the experts on fishing. We've been out all night, blah, blah, blah. Nevertheless, I'll let down a net. You ever limit God? You ever just put down one net? When he, he tells you to put them all down. You ever do that? I do. 
The interesting thing about it is whether Peter puts down one net or he puts down all the nets, the result is the same. A buku of fish. Now, with one net, it's a lot harder to handle. You got a bigger team and everybody's got nets. You, you can go to school on those fish, right? You get what I'm saying? You know, Peter is it, it, Jesus is so patient with his disciples. He's so patient with Peter. He's going to bring Peter along step by step, you know, and, and the, the, the point is, it's not how big Peter's faith is. All Peter's, you got to have enough faith to make a move. You see, it's not how big Peter's faith is. It's, it's who his faith is in. It's where his faith is placed. It's who he's really trusting with his life. And faith, you know, is the key for everything God wants to do. Trusting him is the key for everything he wants to do in our lives. There's this story in the Gospels. It's another one of the, 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 the Lake of Galilee stories. Found in, in Luke chapter 8. I want to read this. And I want, I want, I want you to just watch because he, Jesus does something amazing here. So one day, he got into a boat with his disciples. He said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. And so they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came up on the lake, and they were filling with water, and they were in danger. And, and they went, and they woke him, saying, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. And then he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. They marveled, saying to one another, Who is this then that commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him? Isn't that strange? Jesus says, Where's your faith? Now you'll notice Jesus is what I've come to appreciate an unanxious presence in the story. He's not rattled. He's not panicky. He's at peace and calm and rest. And they have to wake him up in the midst of a storm of circumstances. And then he has the audacity after he speaks peace. He's at peace and then he just speaks peace. He turns to the disciples and says, where's your faith? How on earth? What? What? Where did that come from? Does that sound strange? It's strange to use. It sounds to me. Here's the, but here's the clue. Here's the clue. The first thing Jesus said to them was, guys, get going to the other side. Was that ever in doubt for Jesus where they were going? Jesus speaks. He says, trust me, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. Circumstances may change. Things, storms may come up. Stuff may happen. And Jesus says, are you, are you going to focus entirely on just the circumstances of your life? Is that how you're going to live? Just up and down the emotional roller coaster of all that? Or are you going to learn how to trust me? So then, so then when he settles the storm and he's standing there with them, he looks at me and he says, where's your faith? 
the way we learn to trust is to stay connected to him. Stay in relationship with him. Um, several years ago, Deb was traveling all the time. I'll, I'll finish with this story, but it, she was traveling all the time. And, and I made this commitment because she was like, she was on the road. Uh, and Chris will remember this, like 16 weeks in a row, you know, like, like Monday to Thursday night or Friday. And so I made this commitment that I was going to keep the house clean. She was going to come home to a clean house. And we don't have a maid. So that was a task for this old boy because I ain't a good cleaner uh, by any stretch. But I, you know, but I got into vacuuming, okay? And so, uh, so one day I got the vacuum cleaner out. It's one of them canister kind of jobs with the long hose. And I got my iPod and I got these fancy, these fancy sure, you know, they're just noise deadening um, headphones and I got them I got them puppies like twisted down deep in my ear and I got the iPhone going and I am jamming to some you know some real up-tempo uh, stuff which is my preference in Christian music and uh, so I'm, I'm just I'm just rocking and rolling I'm just vacuuming and I'm just you know I'm grooving and everything like that and I'm just yanking the old canister around and I you know I I vacuumed for about 10 minutes with the with the vacuum unplugged and didn't know it I mean, I'd yanked it out of the wall. I didn't know, man. I'm just, oh, this is groovy. I love this song. You know, and I'm just, I'm just, yay. Whoa. And I'm going, man, this thing ain't, this ain't, this thing, this vacuum isn't picking up much. That's, that's weird, you know. I mean, it took me 10 minutes on the ground. Oh. <laughs> Folks, we're not going to be able to live sand if we live unplugged. It's pretty simple. Every day you carve out time to connect with him in prayer, simple reading of the word of God. And you just say, you open your heart to him and you tell him what's really on your mind. You don't come with a bunch of flowery speech like you got to talk in King James English. You just talk plainly and simply and you tell him where you are. And you tell him how you're hurting, but you say, you know, no matter what the circumstances, but Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Lead me today. I'm yours today. God, take me where you want to take me. And God, help me to see others. Help me not to stay so wrapped up in my problems that I don't see the needs of others. And I don't serve and I don't engage and I don't, you know, I don't invest and nurture and try to strengthen others on their walk. And, and, but, and God, whatever, let me trust you. And let me stay connected to you. And, and Lord, if I realize I'm off over there doing something and I look back and I've gotten unplugged, God, help me to pause and go back and get plugged in. Let's pray. Our Father, we just ask for grace for this journey. Father, there, there are plenty of mature uh, Christians in this room that, um, you know, and, and even some of us that are, that are young on this journey that know enough to be able to live purposeful lives 
and to lift that. And so, God, before you, I am trusting these people to hold their side of the net. I'm praying, God, you'll help me to be faithful to hold that piece of net where you've placed me. But I am trusting you, and I'm trusting these people. And, Father, um, you know, with whatever arguments that I have about not getting up and, 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 and getting after it, I pray you'll remove those excuses from me that I will learn to trust the fact that you have trusted me and you have trusted us with the gospel. In Jesus' name.